Shalom to all. Today's daf is Shabbos of Kufchof Aleph. We're starting from the Mishnah, nine lines from the top. Today's shear is sponsored by Rivka Bas Joyce. She should have Rufua Shlema Bakar of Mamish. And we're still talking about firefighting. The Mishnah says, Nachrish a Nanju that comes to extinguish a fire on Shabbos, we don't tell him Kabe, extinguish the fire. That's because there's a Shvos, there's an Isidra Banan to tell the Nanju to do Malacha for you. The Altechabe, we also don't tell him not to extinguish the fire, because we're not required to prevent him from doing Malacha if it's not for us. But if a child that's under Bar Mitzvah comes to extinguish the fire, we don't listen to him, meaning we don't allow him to extinguish it, because we are to ensure that he doesn't do Malacha on Shabbos. The Gemara says, When it comes to a fire on Shabbos, we permitted the homeowner to say, anyone that comes to extinguish it is not going to lose out. Let's say we have a proof from our Mishnah. If a Nanju comes to extinguish a fire, we don't tell him, extinguish it, or don't extinguish it, because we're not required to prevent him from doing malacha for himself, and the Gemara now tries to make a diuk. We're not going to tell him to extinguish it. But we will tell him anyone that extinguishes it, hint, hint, is not going to lose out. The Gemara says, Let's learn the end of the Mishnah. We're not going to tell him not to extinguish it. But that also implies that we're not going to tell him anyone that extinguishes it is not going to lose out. So we have a stira in inferences in the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, you know, we can't learn from this Mishnah whether or not we're allowed to say, there was a story, there was a fire that broke out in the courtyard of Yosef ben Simai in Shichin, and the ruler of Tzipari's men came to extinguish it, because Yosef ben Simai was the treasurer of the king. He did not allow them to extinguish it because of Kabbat Shabbos. And a miracle happened and rain came down and extinguished it. In the evening, meaning he sent everyone in the fire brigade a payment of two slime and to their captain he sent 50 slime. When the Chachamim heard about the story, they said, he didn't need to do this. We already learned. If a non-Jew comes to extinguish the fire, we don't tell him that he should extinguish it, but we also don't tell him not to extinguish it. So really, yes, events Simai could have allowed them to extinguish it on Shabbos. We had said, that we're not going to allow him to extinguish it, and we're going to prevent a cotton from extinguishing a fire. Now the Gemara asks, Shamas Mino, does that mean that we can learn from here, that if a child under our mitzvah is eating nevela, he's eating not kosher, bezin the bezin is commanded to prevent him from doing so? It seems from our Mishnah that we're required to prevent a cotton from extinguishing a fire. That means that we should prevent him from being over any Yisra on Shabbos. Now it's problematic, Rashi says, because the Gemara Nivamas tells us that Rav Yitzchak Barbizna lost the keys to his base medrash in the Rosh Hashanah and an Almira suggested to him that he should bring some children with him to where the keys were and they would pick them up and bring them to the base medrash. Well, we see from that that we're not required to prevent a child from doing a malach on Shabbos. And it seems from our Mishnah that we are. How can we reconcile this? The child is doing it and he knows his father wants him to do it and that's why it's going to be usher. But in the case of Rav Yitzchak Barbizna, the suggestion was just bring children with you. Don't tell them that you can't pick up your keys and they'll do it on their own, and that's okay. But now the Gemara asks, the Kavasah, but it seems like we could have a parallel, Gabay Nachri, in regards to a non-Jew, the Ka'avid Ledate de Yisrael. He's coming to extinguish the fire, and he's doing it for the Jew. Mishari, is that permitted? Because we just learned that if the child is doing it for his father, that's not permitted. So when the non-Jew comes to extinguish the fire, that means he's really doing it for the Jew, so that shouldn't be permitted. The Gemara answers, no, Nachri Ledate de Nafshe'avid. He's really doing it for himself. He knows that he's going to get paid very nicely after Shabbos, so even though he's doing a favor for the Jew, at the end of the day, he's really 
really thinking about his own pocket and not really about the Jew. And the mission continues. Kaifin Karal Gabi Aner, one is allowed to overturn a bowl on top of a lamp, Bishvil Shalitechas Bakar, so that the fire from the lamp shouldn't catch onto a beam that's above it. This is touching on the concept of En Klinitel El Ledavar Hanitel, that one may not move a Kli on Shabbos unless he's using it for the purpose of something else that's allowed to be moved on Shabbos. And over here, he's not able to move the beam that he's trying to protect from the fire. Nonetheless, we're still allowing him to move this bowl because he's preventing a fire from breaking out on Shabbos. A person is also allowed to take this bowl and overturn it onto the excrement of a child. And also on top of a scorpion, so that it shouldn't bite him. There was a story that came to Rabbi and Zakai in a city called Arav that someone had overturned the bowl onto a scorpion. And Rabbi and Zakai said, I suspect that this person might actually be because in that case, the scorpion wasn't chasing him to bite him and Rabbi Yechim Zaka was unsure whether or not you're allowed to trap a scorpion under a bowl if it's not actually trying to bite you. And now the Gemara tells us a story. Rav Yehuda, Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba, Rav Chanan Bar Rava, Ikluhu Lebei Avin Demin Nishikia. They visited the house of Avin from Nishikia. Rav Yehuda, Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba, Kofchaf Alafon, based on the top, Aisiluhu Puraisa. They brought them couches to lean on and recline on so they could be comfortable. But Rav Chanan Bar Rava, Lai Aisulai, they didn't bring him a couch. Seemingly, he thought that Rav Chanan Bar Rava wasn't so chashev. Ashkeche, Rav Chanan Bar Rava found that Masni Lebre, that Chanin was teaching his kid, Val Tsayashal Katan, that one may overturn a bowl onto the excrement of a child, Mipne Katan, so that the child doesn't play with his own excrement. So Amrlay, he told him, Avin Shatya, Avin the fool, Masni Shtusa Lebre, is teaching foolishness to his child. Rashi says he was upset that his honor was slighted and that he didn't get a couch to sit on. And Rav Chanan Bar Rava continues, Why would our Mishnah need to teach us a halacha that you're allowed to overturn a bowl onto excrement of a child, implying that the excrement of the child is mukta? It's not mukta, it's muchan leklavim. Dogs nibble on children's excrement, and therefore it's not mukta, and there's no reason for the Mishnah to teach us a chiddush. It's not a chiddush. You're allowed to overturn a bowl on something that's not mukta. And v'chitim, if you're going to say, Rav Chanan continues, that this excrement wasn't fitting from yesterday, meaning it wasn't prepared from the day before. The child only relieved himself on Shabbos, and therefore it'd be mukta, and that would be the chiddush of the Mishnah. Vatanya, we have a brisa that tells us, Naharis hamayshchin, flowing rivers, mayonis hanoivim, and gushing springs, harehin keragle kol adam. They're like the feet of all people. Now we're touching on Tchum Shabbos over here. In this case, more specifically on Yontif. On Shabbos or Yontif, a person or item may not leave the 2000 Amma boundary, the Tchum, allotted to them. Now this boundary is measured from where they were Kaina Shvisa, from where their official resting place was on the onset of Shabbos or Yontif. If they do so, meaning if they leave the Tchum Shabbos, they may not walk any further. For example, someone throws an object outside of his Tchum Shabbos into someone else's. That other person may not carry this object any further because it left its Tchum. So now, even though this water that he's drawing from the river on Yontif has traveled more than 2,000 Amis since the onset of Yontif, since it was never Kaina Shvisa because it was moving when Yontif started, so it's like the feet of a person, meaning the same way that a person's feet is allowed to carry him 2,000 Amis, so to this water may go along where the person can go. Now the relevance this has to us is that we see that this water isn't Mukta, even though he didn't have access to this particular water when Yontif started, but since he knew that it would be accessible on Yontif because it would have traveled downstream by then, so it's considered Mukhan and it's not Mukta. So same with the child's excrement, says Rav Chanan. Since we know that he will relieve himself on Shabbos, his excrement isn't considered Nailud, and therefore there would be no Chiddush for the Mishnah to tell us that you may turn a Kli over it.
So after this, of in response to him, So how should I teach the Mishnah? We should teach it. We're allowed to overturn a bowl onto excrement of a chicken because of a child. We don't want the child to play with it. And chicken's excrement is not nibbled on by dogs, so therefore it would be mukta, and that would be the Kiddush that we're allowed to overturn a bowl onto something that's mukta. But now the Gemara asks, but typically to have a graph ray. Why is it that we're discussing in our Mishnah turning over a bowl onto this excrement? Why don't we just say that it's graph ray? Anytime that we have a bucket that has excrement in it, we're allowed to move it, even though it's technically mukta. Since it's mos, it's repulsive, we're allowed to move it away. So why are we turning a bowl over onto it? We should be allowed to pick it up and move it. And v'chitim, if you're going to say, says the Gemara, graf shalrei agav mana in, that only if you pick up a bucket that has excrement in it, you're allowed to move it. But you're not allowed to pick up the actual excrement itself. There's a story of a mouse, who was found in the spices of Ravashi, and he told the members of his house, pick it up by its tail and carry it out. So we see you're allowed to actually pick up the re'i, the excrement, or the repulsive thing itself. The more answers by Ashba. We're talking about where the chicken refuse was actually in a garbage heap. And since it's in a garbage heap, it doesn't have the heter of graf shalrei. Graf shalrei is only permitted to be moved from someone's private area, but not in a garbage heap where it's not really bothering anyone. The Gemara says, Vakatin ba'ashba my baile. What exactly is this child doing in the garbage heap that you want to cover over the excrement so he doesn't play with it? Rashi explains that the garbage heap was in Rosh Hasharabim and a child doesn't belong in Rosh Hasharabim. So the Gemara answers, Bechater. We're talking about that actually the excrement was in your chater and that's why you're allowed to cover it over because a child's going to be playing in the chater. The Gemara continues to ask, Chater Nami, if it's in your chater, so Graf Shalrehu, it's still considered a Graf Shalrei, it's bothering you, it's in your private area, so you should be allowed to pick it up and carry it out. So the Gemara gives a final answer, we're talking about that it's in the garbage heap, which is in your chater, so therefore your child is playing in your chater in the garbage heap, but we're talking about chicken refuse, which is something that is not fit for dogs, so therefore you're able to cover it over with a kli, and that's the Chiddush of the Mishnah. And the Gemara continues explaining the Mishnah of Al-Akav Shleitisha, we're allowed to take a bowl and cover it over a scorpion so it doesn't bite. Am Rebbe Shubin Levi, Rebbe Levi teaches, Kalama Zikin, any lethal creature, Neherogin of Shabbos, is allowed to be killed on Shabbos. Right now we're understanding is that even if this lethal creature is not chasing him to kill him, since it has the ability to kill him, he's allowed to kill it on Shabbos. Masav Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef asks, we have a b'risa, Chamisha Neherogin of Shabbos, there are five things that are allowed to be killed on Shabbos. Eluhain, these are them. Zvov Shabbat Mitzrayim, an Egyptian fly, Vitzir Shabbat Ninveh, and a wasp in Ninveh, Va'akrav Shabbat Chaydav, and a scorpion from Chaydav, and a mad, rabid dog in any place. And it seems like from the Brisa that it didn't give any more qualifications that these things are allowed to be killed even though they're not chasing a person because they pose an inherent danger just by being around. And now the Gemara asks, Money, who's this Brisa like? This Brisa is like Rabbi Yehuda. He says, So you wouldn't just be allowed to kill these things even though you don't necessarily need the body of this animal or creature. Nonetheless, it's still us to kill them just because. El lav Reb Shimon. So it must be the Brises Reb Shimon. And we see, Bahani Hudashari, only these things are permitted to kill, these five things. Achrini Loi. Other things are not permitted to kill. And it seems like Reb Shubin Levi was saying that you're allowed to kill any sort of mazik, anything that's lethal, even if it's not these five things. Am Reb Yirmiya. Reb Yirmiya says, Uman Neimolon, Who says this b'risa that we just said is a correct b'risa? Maybe it's an incorrect b'risa. Rashi tells us that the only valid b'risas that we know of are from Rav Chia and Rav Ishaya. And this b'risa wasn't taught by Rav Chia and Rav Ishaya, So who says it's a valid b'risa in the first place? Am Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says, I was the one that taught this b'risa, and I asked on this b'risa from this same thing that you're asking 
from Rabbi Shua ben Levi's memra, and I'm going to answer it now. Rabbi Shua ben Levi is not talking about a blanket heter that you're allowed to kill any lethal creature even though it's not chasing you. It's only when it's chasing after you, and then everyone would agree, even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that you're allowed to kill it, because since it poses a real threat to you, it's trying to kill you, so then you're allowed to kill it. was taught in front of Someone that kills snakes and scorpions on Shabbos, the Hasidim, the pious ones, aren't very happy with him. There's no purpose for him to kill this snake and scorpion. So Rabbi Rav Huna said, and those pious people, the Chachamim are not very happy with them. Why? This person provided a very valuable service for everyone, even though this snake or scorpion wasn't actually actively attacking him or anyone else, since it's very possible that they will attack someone, so he actually did something very useful by killing it. And Uplikid Rav Huna, this is not like Rav Huna, Rav Huna Chaziel Hu Gavra, Rav Huna saw a person was killing a bee, Amrle, he told him, Shlemtinu Lakulu, did you finish all of them off? Did you kill all the bees in the the world, what did you gain by killing this one bee? So we see that Rav Huna does not allow someone to kill something that poses only a potential danger. Only if it's a real danger that's chasing after you to bite you, so then you're allowed to kill it. But just stop to kill it, even though it may bite someone else, that's not allowed. However, Rabbi Rav Huna does allow it. If he encountered snakes and scorpions along the way, Haragon, if he killed them, so then he knows that a Kaddish Baruch Hu had set it up so that he should kill it. These things are potentially dangerous, and this person must be meritorious that Hashem gave him the zchus of saving someone else from getting bitten. Loi if he didn't successfully kill it, so then he should realize that it was actually set up to kill him, and a nace happened and that it didn't bite him. He qualifies this last statement, that's only if the snake was hissing at him, and a snake hisses when it's poised for attack, so then he knows that he was saved by way of nace. But if it just slid to cross his path and he didn't kill it, that's not necessarily indicative that he was deserving of some sort of punishment. One time a snake fell into the base of on Shabbos, and a certain Jew from this place stood up, and he killed it. Rebbe said, It met that which is like it. And they asked, Does that mean he did something that was good, meaning the snake was trying to kill other people, and this person went and killed the snake, so we're giving him praises? Or we're saying something negative about him, that just like the snake is evil, this person person that killed him is also evil somehow. They were sitting on the porch of Rabyane. Some sort of matter arose among them. And they asked Rabyane, is a person allowed to kill snakes and scorpions on Shabbos? He told them, I'll kill a wasp on Shabbos. For sure you're allowed to kill a snake and scorpion, which is far more dangerous than a wasp. So we see that even though they're not actively trying to kill you, we see from here that it's it's a beneficial thing to kill something that's potentially dangerous, and therefore it must be that Rebbe was speaking positively about this fellow that killed the snake in the base madrash. But the Gemara says it's not necessarily Uriah. Perhaps you're allowed to kill snakes and scorpions only meaning along the person's way. He's walking along the way and he sees a snake or scorpion in his path. He doesn't have to walk around it so as not to step on it. He's allowed to step on it as he's walking. That would be mutter because he has absolutely no intent whatsoever to kill it. He just happens to be walking and it happened to have went underneath his foot. Dumb Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Reich, a person is allowed to step on saliva 
if it's in his path, usually a person would not be allowed to actively seek out saliva to step on it. It's most, so he would want to step on it. However, there's an issue is that when he steps on it, it's memarech, it's smoothing and smearing on Shabbos, and it's also a shvuya gumais if there's a hole over there, so now he's smoothing out the hole, so that would be an iser. But if it happens to be in his path, so then it's davrashenim ischaven and it would be completely mutter. From Rav Sheshes, nachash dars lefitumai. Rav Sheshes says you're allowed to step on a snake if it's in your path. From Rav Katina, akrav dars lefitumai. A person's also allowed to step on a scorpion if it's in his path. And a halacha about this. Abba bar Marta, duhu abba bar minyume. That's the same person. Have a maski be de beresh galusa zuzi. He owed the house of resh galusa money. I saw a kamet sarule. They brought him to the resh galusa's house and they were painting him. They were they weren't torturing him. They were causing him troubles, trying to get him to pay back the money. Now. We'll see from the continuation of the story that this was not happening on Shabbos. But it happens to be that he was also in the Reish Galusa's house on Shabbos. And they saw that there was spit on the floor on Shabbos. Amalhu Reish Galusa. The Reish Galusa told the people that were there, Aisu Mana, please bring a vessel, Sechifu Alave, and place it on top of the spit. It's just not comfortable to look at. Amalhu Abba Ramarta told him, Let's Rechisu, you don't need to do that. Hachiam Rabbi Huda, this Rabbi Huda said, Raik Darsalifi Tumai, you're allowed to step on saliva if it's in your path. So eventually someone's going to walk over it and they'll be allowed to step on it. And not a problem. Amrul Huda Rish Galusa said to the people of his house, Obviously this fellow is learned, he's a Torah scholar, Shavkuhu, leave him alone, meaning don't bother him to pay the money back. And now once we had a member from Rav Abba Barkahano, we're going to have a few more. Amr Rav Abba Barkahano, Rav Chanina, Pamaita Shal Beis Rebbe, the candelabras in Rebbe's house, Mutter L'Tatlam B'Shabbos, they're allowed to be carried on Shabbos. Amr Rav Zera, Rav Zera asked, Benitalan B'yadi Achas or B'shteyer Daim? Are you talking about candelabras that can be carried in one hand, which means they're very small, or they're large enough that they can only be carried in two hands, perhaps those are Mukta, because usually it's so large, it's going to have a set place for itself and it's be considered Mukta. Kachav Beis Alf on the top, Amr he responded, Kaisen Shal Beis Avicha, just like the ones in your father's house, and those were small ones. The wagons in Rebbe's house are allowed to be carried on Shabbos. These wagons that are fit for people to sit in, does that mean it's something that's small enough that could be carried by one person? Or it's too large it has to be carried by two people? Perhaps that would be Mukta. He responded, like the ones in your father's house, which were small wagons. allowed the house of Rebbe to drink wine that was transported by the wagon of a non-Jew if it had only one seal on it. Now we know that wine of a non-Jew or wine that came into contact by a non-Jew is also for a Jew to drink. And there's machlaikas in what type of wine that comes into contact with a non-Jew may be drank by a Jew. Rebbe Lezer is makel and he holds all it needs is only one seal. As long as it has one seal, we don't have to suspect that somehow the non-Jew opened it up and then resealed it. Whereas the Chachamim are a little bit more machmir and they say it needs to have more protection than one seal. So the Gemara continues, V'layadana, Rav Avar Barkahana says, I don't know, I don't know if Reb Chanina held like Rebbe Lezer that it only needs one seal and that's why it was allowed to be transported by this non-Jew or since Rebbe Huda Nasi was the Nasi that means that he was officially recognized by the Romans as the leader of the Jews so therefore the person who's going to be transporting the wine is going to be afraid to tamper and touch his wine so therefore not only does it have a seal but it also has this fear factor of not touching the Nasi's wine and that's why it was permitted to drink so here we have three extra members from Rav Arabar Kahana. Everyone should have a wonderful day.